Patrick Mahomes is going to play this weekend. And the next game the Kansas City Chiefs lose is going to be next season. No! I do believe the Chiefs are the best team in, in the AFC. And I don't think they're going to lose again this season, regular season or postseason. Wrong. For overtime. Butker's kick is blocked. It's picked up by the Titans. This game is over. The Titans with a signature win. Unbelievable. This place is exploding. Heart, resilience, uh, mental and physical toughness. This stadium was alive, and it was alive for a big, big reason. This football team came to life and gave life to this entire city over this game. So 32 to 27, a minute 48 remaining. Tannehill looking, looking, firing over the middle, caught. Humphreys five, Humphreys in zone. Touchdown Titans, touchdown Titans, touchdown Titans. Adam Humphreys, 23 yards. And the Titans lead 33-32 to 32 with 23 ticks remaining. And time for a field goal attempt. Kansas City hoping to tie. The Decatur Georgia native out of the hold of Dustin Colquitt. Set. Set. Block! Block! It's been picked up by Sims. It's blocked by Kalou! Joshua Kalou! Joshua Kalou! And that's it. What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Because I'm kind of an idiot. I'm a dumb guy. Brian, you don't have to keep trying so hard to impress me. I already really like you. Your midweek download destination. I told you about Brian. I told you. Come on, man. Brian was just making a joke. I'm so lucky to have met you, Brian. You're such an amazing guy. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. And note to self, don't die. Welcome in, everybody, to the Weekly Dose for November 13th, 2019. And it's cold as hell. Ugh, bleeping. Damn it. Ugh. Hate it. I mean, I'm okay. I'll get used to the freaking winter when it gets here. Does it have to show up overnight? Uh, a little bit of a mood overall, but I will be—I will be fine. Working with kind of a um, makeshift uh, studio setup down here in the garage uh, this this week. It's freezing ass cold in here. I did grab a space heater, threw it down here below the desk, so I'm warming up pretty nicely. But over here, in my long johns and long sleeve shirt and jacket. And uh, freaking shoes on because I don't have what you would consider to be house shoes. And uh, I don't like to be sitting around the house trying to relax at 10 plus p.m. at night, 10, 11, 12, wearing jackets and shoes and long johns. I want to be a little more comfortable than that, generally speaking. And um, it's kind of the same, I don't know, uh, adaptation, I guess you could call it. From the uh, from the time change, that one hour shift just all of a sudden makes you think it's a big two or three hour shift, and it kind of throws you all off. Well, when it's sixty some odd degrees on a Monday, which mostly sucked because most Mondays suck, and then you wake up to thirty one degrees as the low. Now that's fine, all right. If you just wake up and you're freezing your ass off for a few minutes, you know we can live with that. But when the high that day is 34 or 35, uh, yeah, I'm not doing well with that. This has been a miserable day. Uh, we get back into some somewhat more seasonable temperatures here over the next week or so, lower 60s by the beginning of next week, and no rain until the end of next week. So normalcy will return soon enough, but we are in the 20s for lows for the next couple of days. I know that does you no good if you're listening to this any other day other than than the day it is released or maybe the day after. All right, let's see. What is going on? Why is it such a mess in here in the um, in the garage? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that, but the more specific reason why this uh, all my setup is all jumbled up and me- mixed up and messed up is uh, I'll talk a little bit more about this on the tail end of the this uh, segment, the open, 
podcasts are just everywhere now. I mean, every dumb asshole walking around has one. And uh, some friends of mine that are not dumb assholes have a, a couple of podcasts doing Bonnaroo uh, shows. The What and the uh, the Real Roo Bus. Uh, the Real Roo Bus is from Huntsville. We met them last year or this, you know, this year at Bonnaroo. And they came and met us at the Moxie. And um, I'm kind of the engineer guy for their uh, recordings or live recordings, whether it's at Bonnaroo or at this case at the Moxie. And um, so I had to just take all my gear down there over the weekend. It was fun. Had some drinks, had some laughs, spent the day doing it. Uh, there is a video out. Uh, I'll, you know, if you follow me on social media, if you're interested in seeing it, it's out there. Um, you know, I, I, I can't imagine that it's going to be the most amazingly entertaining thing you've ever seen in your life. But if you enjoy Bonnaroo stories, you very well might like it. So uh, more on that here towards the tail end. Um, but, yeah, so I just kind of throw everything together, freezing ass cold out of the back of my uh, car. has been there since the weekend. It's a little bit uh, frustrating, but overall, I am going to be good to go. Uh, here, let's just lay out the show. In the second segment of the show, I'm going to look at the city of Eastridge. More specifically, the development around Exit 1, the uh, Chattanooga Red Wolves were in the uh, in the news this week as the renderings for the new stadium uh, were out, well, additional renderings anyway, as that construction seems to be underway and they're hoping to have that ready for the 2020 season. And um, an East Ridge song, if nothing else, if you haven't heard the East Ridge song, I've been sitting on this one for, hell, years, I guess, uh, waiting on a time to use it. Today seems as good a time to use it. So if you have no other reason to stick around other than to wait to see what the East Ridge song is, uh, I think that's at least somewhat of an incentive. And then on the way out the door, shorter segment to wrap it up, um, on the heel or you know coming right off of here of Veterans Day, I don't want to be too disrespectful, but there's a, another couple of bad cops here in Chattanooga and uh, just the overall way we handle our perceptions of uh, veterans and law enforcement, you know, first responders, people like that, it's a little annoying to me. And I will try to be as respectful as possible on the tail end. A couple of things here as we get the show underway. The uh, the new music, local music show that I'm um, putting together for the radio station, which has still not been completely signed off on. It has been, but not like officially inked to paper. Uh, right as of now, I'm going to call it Project 423. It's going to be just a local music show on Alt 98.7 here in Chattanooga, Tennessee on Sunday evenings. And it is going to be accompanied by a monthly additional podcast, the Project 423 podcast, which will be involved with the overall umbrella of the Stone on Air Productions kind of thing. Hopefully going to have a website into the new year, new hosting, new a whole bunch of stuff. And I know I talk about these, oh, I got this big idea, and then I never do it. I don't mean to be that guy. It's just really difficult um, when life gets in the way, but... That is the goal going into the new year. I have 75-plus songs gathered for my library from 40-plus artists here, uh, all of which have at least a strong tie to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Most of them all are all from here and live here proper now. A couple of them used to or spent a lot of time here, but the majority of them are completely local. It will have a little regional flavor here and there as well. So I've got that moving in the right direction uh, let's see. Let's go ahead and do this as I pull up my phone for this audio. So, um, I'm not as excited about this as you might think. Uh, the Black Crows are reuniting for, um, a tour next year, celebrating 30 years of Shake Your Money Maker. And I really think these guys are kind of a couple of clowns. Um, and I think this whole thing is a... Big corporate music, uh, rock and roll industry thing. Live Nation is the one who's uh, backing, uh, footing the bill for this. They're expecting a bunch of people my age, five years younger than me, five to ten years older than me, uh, shelling out big bucks to go see uh, a shell of what was originally the Black Crows. Yeah, it's Rich Robinson and it's Chris Robinson, but it's uh, studio musicians that make up the rest of the band. Anybody who has been in the band before, uh, many members were there for a long time. Um, Gorman is his last name. Is it Steve Gorman? I think might be uh, might be Steve. He does a national uh, Fox Sports radio show. I've been listening to him for years. He's fantastic. He's not being involved because 
they don't want to share any of the money. And this idea that there's some raucously, you know, just scandalously, uh, you know, brothers, family feud kind of thing. Well, there's plenty of truth to it, no doubt. It's been documented for 30 years. The idea that they've all of a sudden just changed and become much more respectable human beings and respectable amongst each other, uh, I find it to be a big money grab. This is uh, Chris Robinson and Rich Robinson. Yeah, it might be about two minutes here on Howard Stern earlier this week uh, when they made the official announcement. Chris, I had you on two years ago. I don't know. I said... You said some shitty things. I said some horrible things. You said some bad things. I was in a negative place but you know you know what i've apologized to rich about that how did this come about that you two guys even started talking you hadn't talked in what four years you said i know six years six years i no longer have a brother he doesn't exist you can't stand each other you don't want to be in a room together and here you are sitting in my studio i just found my you know what i mean a lot of things have changed for me in the last two years you know i was in a relationship that was failing i was in a negative place you make some big changes in your life i mean i found i'm in i have an amazing partner amazing uh you have a new girlfriend new girlfriend everything uh, good there it's been going on for a couple years it's incredible right i mean a big part of like helping me like you know leave behind some uh negative things and like look at oh wow you know depression and those kind of things was there an epiphany in therapy where you said you know what i miss my brother what what always happens is communication i don't know you know what i mean i can only guess rich is doing it you know and the only thing he's hearing from me is like my negative bullshit about him on your <laughs> he's going, well chris hasn't changed the bit <laughs> yeah completely right but you know what's funny like that what you said is like you know uh change you know and to be i just think both of our trajectories since we've haven't been in in a band together you know i'm so busy with the crb and trying to make this happen and writing the songs and really enjoying myself and i needed to go into the wilderness i needed to deconstruct the that first part of my life and and the the good the bad the indifferent all of it right i mean i think that's a true part of the artist at least in my artistic waking life well, what He's happened? doing the same thing, you know, but we're just don't we're you know, Rich has has his band and I think being Rich Rich, did you miss your brother or had you been fed up with the fighting and all of the nonsense? I was definitely fed up with the fighting, you know, and uh it's it was it was unhealthy. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to everything they were saying there. I still believe this is nothing more than just a big money grab. I've seen the Black Crows two or three times. At least two that I can remember vividly. I think there was a, th- yeah, yeah, a third time at Track 29. And, uh, yeah, they're fine. They're good. They're fun. Um, can't imagine I'm going to be shelling out the kind of money that Live Nation events charge these days at the amphitheaters across the country to watch uh, two asshole brothers along with a bunch of studio musicians uh, posing as Black Crows members when there are founding members, longtime members of the band that they're not even inviting because they don't want to shell out any of the profits. So uh, good for Black Crows, but I am uh, not buying that. I wanted to play the audio from when he was there two years ago that they mentioned in that clip when Chris was uh, talking a bunch of junk. Well, the thing about um, the thing about Stern Show is that it is very, very protected. The audio that is uh, obviously he makes um, you know more money than virtually anybody in the history of the of the industry through Sirius XM and before there was podcasting and letting your audio live and you know f- forever to be uh, archived before that was a thing um, Sirius XM had their base model how they do things well you don't want to give the stuff away for free people are going to stop you know paying for it and Howard's that uh, he's that strong of a brand that you can keep him as pay only and his loyal fan base will continue to hold on to Sirius XM, even though they might not listen to another thing other than him every day, every week, every month, whatever it might be. So finding that audio is very difficult, and if they do let you have any of it, it's just a snidbit. So I found some transcripts from Chris Robinson's visit to the Stern Show a couple of years ago. It's from liveforlivemusic.com. He is quoted as saying, quote, Don Trump is president. John Mayer is in the Grateful Dead. And my brother is in a Black Crows tribute band, quote unquote, uh, as members of the band Black Crows and Rich Robinson toured without Chris a couple of years ago. They were at the uh, one of the last uh, 
uh, Southern Brewers Festivals down on uh, the riverfront. Continue saying, um, Stern prompted Robinson to elaborate on his thoughts on John Mayer, with Robinson eventually adding, quote, I'm not a big John Mayer fan. Jerry Garcia is a hero of mine. Everything that Jerry Garcia ever talked about or stood for, John Mayer is the antithesis. Mayer knows all the licks. There's nothing unique about his playing. Jerry was one of the most unique musicians in the world. Jerry never played anyone else's licks, and now here's John Mayer playing everyone else's licks. Robinson also noted that, quote, the Grateful Dead has turned into this giant nipple that everyone sucks off of to get money. The last little short paragraph here says, Robinson also reiterated his dislike of his brother, Rich Robinson, criticizing Rich's songwriting skills. While Chris Robinson was more tempered in his feeling toward his other Black Crows bandmates, he also stated that he would never perform with them again, even if the group was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, So, yeah, Chris Robinson is a total dickhead. He always has been. That's just kind of his shtick, if nothing else. I mean, it's it's not just shtick. It just looks like it's reality. He might play to the shtick a little bit. I don't know. But am I to believe that just in a, a couple of years now, Chris Robinson, you know, grew a heart? The Grinch had a heart that grew that many sizes that day? No, I don't believe that whatsoever. Um, they got together with Live Nation through their individual management companies and said, suck it up, bros. Make a long t- uh, tour, amphitheaters in 2020. Play that crappy uh, Shake Your Money Maker record because it's not nearly their best one. Not even close. It's a fine album, but uh, play that thing in its entirety. And uh, then all the other stuff everybody wants to hear. What's the Tom Hanks from A League of Their Own? I'm going to wave my little hat. And then it's, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, that's going to be coming in the summer of 2020 uh really fast uh, one last uh, little thought on riverbend until the announcement of the lineup which i think is coming from what i can tell in early december feels like it's being a little rushed i still am concerned that riverbend brass might not still know exactly what they're doing when it comes to this new kind of world of of a festival that they're trying to put on they're used to what they're used to when what they're used to is a carnival, you know, a county fair. Uh, they put out a couple of videos with Amy Morrow and Dixie. I like Amy. I like Dixie. Seemed a little contrived, a little pushed, a little forced. But at least they're reaching out. At least they're using, trying to utilize social media. But I still think they're having trouble getting it because I, uh, I printed this off today. This was from their Facebook page. And I, you know, I'm not trying to hate. I said I'm in complete support of this new administration and the new um, direction that Riverbend is headed. But uh, utilizing social media, very good idea. They have never done it very well. It was many years ago. We were trying to get Twitter accounts and uh, was Instagram a thing yet? I can't remember. For Riverfront Nights. And they just, and I even volunteered when involved with Jeff and others at the station back four or five years ago and it was just kind of like, well, whatever. If you want to do a Twitter Twitter post, fine, go ahead. So, you know, they're finally coming around to understanding the importance of this. But they put a post out that says, group admission on sale now. And just in case you wondered, I'll give you the information from the post. The information itself is fine. Enjoy deep discounts on group purchases. 20 to 99 wristbands will be $45 each. 100 plus wristbands will be $40 each. May 27th through 30th, Riverbend, those are those are fine prices at a group rate, which means a uh, single admission is going to be considerably more than that, probably at least $20 more than that, maybe even more than that. I don't care what it costs. I've never cared about that, and I don't overly care about who's on the stage. Never much cared about that either. What I don't like is this social media, Facebook, probably uh, Instagram post. It's got all the information I just read to you. And then what's the background picture? What is the background picture of this post that is very prevalent as to what it is? It is the Coke stage. It is the barge. It is the Coke barge. Um, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, that doesn't, that, that just screams of somebody who's either inexperienced, maybe a, 
maybe an intern, maybe somebody who just has lack of, of much material and they have some deadlines for some posts they need to make, or somebody that just doesn't know how to utilize social media quite right yet. The Coke stage, the barge, is what we're trying to get out of the marketing uh, uh, focus. All right, that's that's exactly what Mickey McCamish said in some audio I pulled from WRCB last week. You have to be able to visually see that this is different. We can't just tell you that it's different. And when you post something that's got the Coke stage as the backdrop for the social media post, it doesn't feel like anything's different, and it certainly doesn't look like anything is different. I was going to go on to some podcast stuff here, um, but I actually, some of this I think I've already done. I'm a little concerned that podcasting is becoming the new blog. Remember many years ago, 10, 15 years, you know, anybody could just start writing a blog, started to hurt newspapers, just like podcasts have started to hurt other uh, forms of, uh, of delivered, distributed audio. And then now you turn around and you look and you're like, who the hell cares about anybody's blog? Right? Who's going to anybody's Tumblr account? Who's going to anybody's website and reading their blog? Because most of them suck done by amateurs. And I'm afraid that's what's starting to happen with podcasting. Any old dumb asshole can do it, and it's starting to water things down. But, you know, again, I was going to go into this, but I'm going to save this for another time because I want to get to these next two segments and uh, wrap up the show this week in a timely manner because I'm freezing my ass off. In my garage on a 20, what, 7, 25 degree uh, low. Actually, it might be closer to 20 tonight. I don't know. 65, two and a half days ago, 20-something today. I can get used to the the winter. I always do. I always have. Just kind of want to ease my way into it. Don't want it thrown at me in about five hours on an early November Monday afternoon. The city of East Ridge, are they going places? Are things changing? Is there revitalization at exit one? And what does that mean for the rest of the city down Ringgold Road? I will talk about that coming up next. More of Stone on Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. So we're going to zoom in on East Ridge satellite view. Talk to me about, you see all this red dirt in East Ridge? Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so obviously you can see there's a lot of development going on. So where Matthew's Mouse is right now, that's, that's a Bass Pro Shop right there. And the rumor, I haven't, I haven't seen this confirmed yet, but the rumor is that there's a Top Golf going in there. So that's pretty exciting. If you go look to the left of that, where the Bass Pro Shop is, I'm almost positive that's where the Chattanooga Red Wolf Stadium is going. So that's one of two professional soccer teams that Chattanooga has. So that's exciting as well. And then as you go down south, um, Costco is down that way. You also have a Cabela's. And obviously, you, know, you can see all the dirt. So there's a, a ton of a ton of things happening over here. From the tunnels to Camp Jordan, straight down Ringgold Road. All right, it's the East Ridge song. East Ridge, East Ridge, a story to be told. We're going to listen to the whole Driving thing. 30 miles an hour down Highway 41. Looking for a place to buy a manufactured home. If you need a cash advance, <laughs> we've got lots from which to choose. And lots and lots of places where you can get tattoos. East Ridge, oh. God forbid we will buy a bottle of liquor around here, though, right? Now, Uncle Bud's is gone, and so is the bowling alley. Now, the antiques is fun. I enjoy the antiques. Cheaper gas. We'll come back to that. Two bylos are now food city. East Ridge, oh, East Ridge, East Ridge, Cracker Barrel, Bowling Alley, Uncle Bud's and Cops. And Uncle Bud's is long gone, East so is Ridge, the Bowling Alley, oh, it's just an East empty, Ridge, huge space. East Ridge, Cash Advances, Tanning Beds, Antiques, and Tank Tops. Looks like we have another 30 seconds here. Is all you need to get yourself a car. No money down, no credit needed, no matter who you are. Gotta hire 
That's mostly Tennessee now. Lots and lots of churches where you can go repent. East Ridge. Doesn't even seem like there's that many churches anymore. East Ridge. Cracker Barrel, Bowling Alley, Uncle Buds and Cops. East Ridge. Cracker Barrel, check. Cops, check. Cash advances, check. Tanning beds, check. Uh, Tri-state lanes or American lanes or whatever it is, it's long gone, as is Magoo's, as is just about everything that is in that little section uh, near Germantown Road. What else was there in there? Again, antiques, pawn shops, tattoos, and uh, as I mentioned, God forbid that we allow this area to have a liquor store so I can buy a bottle of damn gin without having to drive to one of the most dangerous areas in the city, East 23rd, which is at the bottom of the ridge, which thankfully the riffraff that is so prevalent in that area, I guess just don't feel like walking up the hill. I guess they just stop at the, uh, well, it was the King's Lodge uh, Hotel, right? And then it's now been Sugar's Ribs for many, many years. Long time that that, uh, that establishment has now been there. Great food, by the way. Don't go there very often because I hate that portion of town other than just to cut through and get downtown real quick through the tunnels. But, yeah, the riffraff generally stays at the bottom down at East 23rd and by the housing projects and the liquor store down there and all the all that mess. So if I want a bottle of liquor, I got to go to either, uh, what is that, Rossville Boulevard, I guess, down uh, Take Dodds over there to JJ's, which is fine. It's a little further away than I'd like, plus I just don't like driving through that area. Too many lights. Or I can shoot over to Brainerd Road and uh, get one there. Not too far. Not that big a deal. Or I'll just hit Riverside Beverage if I'm on the other side of the river. All right. Anyway, so now that you know where I buy um, my liquor. but um, So the... Um, the catalyst for doing this segment was the most recent uh, story of the Chattanooga Red Wolves Stadium to open next season. Amenities include executive club, beer garden, and youth area. And it just got me thinking more and more about the um, really the the pretty amazing development that's going on at Exit One. But what does that mean? Exactly. Does that do more for North Georgia, more for people coming into Chattanooga, or just anything that's in development right there at that exit? Does that trickle down Ringgold Road? Because that's what East Ridge basically is. It's from the interstate on I-75, right at the Georgia-Tennessee line, all the way down to the tunnels that shoot you down towards East 23rd to get on 24 to come downtown. Basically, East Ridge is one street. One long stretch of Highway 41, which in this case is named, is dubbed Ringgold Road. Um, often gets you know confused because Ringgold, Georgia itself, is not very far away. But it's Ringgold Road. That stretch is East Ridge. Does any of this development down here mean anything for the rest of the city? I have been very complimentary of this city. Uh, from their city services are very very good. Uh, recycle pickup, garbage pickup is good. I've had issues because I live in kind of a quirky area where I could tell if somebody was new from a garbage pickup, they might not even know necessarily where to go or what to do. And I understand that kind of industry because it's kind of similar to the one I work in. And so I understand where there could be issues. I've called City Hall. I've called Sanitation. I've gotten people to answer. I've gotten people to call me back and, um, and follow up on issues that I've had. And generally speaking, every time, Got them fixed. Uh, there's lots of uh, uh, large bulk item pickup. There's brush pickup. There's uh, there's a lot of good things in the municipality here that is East Ridge, except for there's just a lot of riffraff. And business does not thrive in this area. On the front end of that segment, that is uh, a couple of guys. I just stumbled upon it. They basically just go around through different neighborhoods in Chattanooga and try to... Um, uh, looking for uh, their, their property management company. So they're looking to, to just examine all areas of the city and where the better places are to invest or not. It's called gkhouses.com. Uh, Speaking of blogs, this is what that is, where I stumbled onto where to invest in Chattanooga, East Ridge, 
edition. It's pretty boring stuff. If you want to go check it out, go ahead. So, um, but this this is a big deal with Bass Pro Shops and Cabela, and there's a Chick Fil A, and there's a Starbucks. And I know I'm sort of sounding small town guy when I'm getting excited over a you know a Starbucks franchise. I'm not excited about it, but you, you get my point. Uh, new hotels, a, a Top Golf. I've never been to a Top Golf. Are you kidding me? A Top Golf is. It sounds like that rumor is true. Is coming to East Ridge. That's that. That's a big deal. Now I'm I'm looking forward to going to one of these. Champies. There is a Champies Chicken opening in East Ridge. Not even down by the interstate. A little bit further up. Can this stuff start to trickle down? Can we start moving towards all the empty buildings all up and down Ringgold Road where there's all there are are buy here, pay here, car shops and pawn shops? And I'm a huge antique relics kind of guy. There's some great antique shopping and malls and uh, shopping on this street. But when that's your thriving business alongside pawn shops, cash advances and tattoos, you know, we ain't Rossville Boulevard. All right. We're certainly not Rossville Boulevard. I would, I, we're miles ahead of where uh, the, the boulevard, the Tennessee side is anyway. But it's still nothing to be overly uh, proud of. It's just really not. So when you go from, we'll say, I don't know what street it is, uh, but once you get closer to where the food line is, which I can't believe is still open, between that stretch and really to the tunnels, past Amigos and to, to Germantown, it's pretty much an, an industry, a business wasteland there is no there is no business thriving in between that stretch meaning that so all that area is lots of rentals lots of uh, foreclosures lots of um just you know it just depends that's what's so crazy about when you talk about property value in east ridge you can be a block away from a two hundred fifty thousand dollar property and yours can still only be worth 90 that is totally true and I'm not sure that there are too many places in this city where you could say that. And the biggest example is where I am right here at the foot of, of Missionary Ridge. One block, you have $90,000 properties, and the next block, quarter of a million. Find me another area where that is true. I, I don't know what it means. I'm not saying it's good. It's certainly certainly not good. Um, I, I guess it's also not bad either. It just depends on what your perspective is and what end of the stick you're on. Um, I remember when I was getting a refi done, I think it was an 11 and they were using, um, you know, just area analysis, like uh, what is it? Uh, Zillow or something like that. One of those kind of services. This was uh, eight years ago, I guess. So I, I guess it would have been Zillow probably. And I remember the uh, woman who pulled it up initially after I had just given her the numbers just kind of loosely, like, okay, roughly this much money I make a year, this much money I owe, da 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 da, da. And I remember looking up and seeing some property values nearby and her eyes, like, you know, when you're, you get like, oh, shit. <laughs> she just saw, or he or she just saw something that they know isn't good for me. That's the kind of thing it was. It was like, uh, what? Oh, and she's trying, oh, no, 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 I, I'm just, uh, I'm like, what? Well, what it was is that a house right down the street was valued at ninety thousand um, dollars. I'm making up that number. It was under a hundred, and the loan I was trying to get was considerably more than that because my house appraised considerably more than that. But when she saw that nearby, it freaked her out and thought, "Oh no, I don't know what to do here." So it's an interesting landscape. But again, what got me thinking about it was the Red Wolf Stadium and this huge mixed uh, use development over the course of the next three to five years and will it come to fruition like this will this come together the way they're saying the renderings make it look incredible it looks like ultawa and all its high-end development college dale and all its high-end development the difference is those areas are filled with high-end people with high-end incomes and high-end disposable in disposable income this area east ridge doesn't have that but Will it be a destination being on the border of Georgia and Tennessee where it won't have to rely on the residents here in the city 
of East Ridge. This is, actually, I do believe it came from the Times Free Press. I was able to sneak it through on an incognito tab. Let's see. The Chattanooga Red Wolves soccer team continues to aim for the upcoming season to open its new stadium as the team Thursday unveiled features, including an executive club, beer garden, and youth area. Uh, Mitch Martino is the team spokesman, says the goal is to get it, excuse me, the goal is to get in for this upcoming season, and right now it's 100% on schedule. Uh, Bob Martino, I'm assuming uh, the the spokesman is his son, maybe maybe that's true, maybe not, whatever, uh, quote, we are proud to create the same professional soccer experience found in major cities in our own cities of East Ridge and Chattanooga. Creating this atmosphere for our soccer community is very special. The executive club will include VIP seating and a large social gathering space, according to the team. The fully catered club will include a bar, elevated dining options, premium stadium entry, televisions, and preferred parking. Also, the covered beer garden overlooking the goal line is designed to accommodate hundreds of soccer fans over the age of 21. It will include a self-serve tap wall with rotating beers from local and regional breweries, the club said. The beer garden will hold a large social gathering space with elevated pub seating overlooking the supporters section directly in front of the field, and it will be bookended by dining options and seating. And again, these renderings look very, very impressive. Um, not all of it will be done for the 2020 season. Amenities to be complete for the team's second season will also include additional si- sky uh, sky boxes, we used to call them sky suites, uh, concessions, merchandise, staff offices, locker rooms, and uh, plenty more outside of that. So, you know, I've been a CFC guy this whole time. When the, in the soccer wars, if I was going to pick a side, I was going to pick the Chattanooga Football Club every time. But if this area down here gets a top golf and this area gets more hotels and gets more restaurants and has a uh, a very very nice state of the art um, at least user experience, I think that the overall structure is going to be on the cheap side. I'm not expecting some kind of huge brick and mortar marvel uh, masterpiece of a of of a of an overall stadium because I am kind of a stadium uh, junkie. I I do uh, critique. Uh, baseball stadiums primarily, but all of them. But I think you can still, even on the cheap, make a great user experience if you do it right with the right design. And maybe my weekends will be better spent right here in East Ridge, where I live, instead of driving down, um, which is not far away from here, but down to Finley Stadium and the First Tennessee Pavilion, which I've spent 20 years of my life patroning and being a champion for and i'll never be negative towards it but maybe it, it, it will be just as fun on a saturday to watch soccer here in east ridge the last little bit here it says in august construction of the project which is the biggest development in east ridge history not just the stadium itself but all the mixed-use development that's uh, that's scheduled at this point to be built around it was uh it was temporarily halted after work on the site began construction without a permit but the developers, engineers on the project, ASA Engineering, successfully challenged the state's stopped work order and construction resumed in late this summer. Last paragraph here, and I will put the wraps mostly on this uh, segment here very shortly. The site eventually is expected to generate between 6 and $7 million in tax revenue each year once the stadium and the nearby restaurants, shops, hotels, and housing projects are built. When complete, developers said the complex will include not only commercial and residential facilities, but also a community and event spaces, green areas, and walking trails. It sounds great. This sounds exactly like a small little model of what what happened in, in Cobb County with SunTrust Park and that mixed-use development. That's what's happening in Arlington, Texas right now with the new, uh, well, soon-to-be new Texas Rangers baseball stadium and their mixed-use development. It's now the new trend in uh, in small and big cities, and it's the same kind of thing that's going to happen with the new Lookouts baseball stadium that's going to be on the south side over on the Wheeland uh, Foundry uh, property that's been sitting there dormant for, what, I don't know, at least 15 years, maybe closer to 20 that's the worst kept secret in the city. That's going to happen. Um, who's going to be involved in paying for it and who's going to be involved and when it's going to happen, nobody knows that right now. But the Lookouts will not be playing up on that hill in downtown Chattanooga at some point 
over the next 10 years, maybe five years, maybe two years, maybe longer. I don't know. But they're going to do that same kind of thing on the south side of, uh, of, of downtown Chattanooga. And the CFC team already uh, reaps the benefits of a great facility with Finley Stadium. And this might just work out. Now, I wonder, though, I wonder how many of these nearby restaurants, shops, and hotels, and housing projects are actually going to become to reality because there's already a uh, an issue with housing in East Ridge. There's not enough of it that anybody actually wants because of the lower cost of living, which brings in the lower lifestyle of living, which East Ridge has become more well-known for over the last 20 years, hence the East Ridge song, pawn shops, tattoos, all those things we talked about before. Does somebody want to live in what is going to end up being a very high-priced area to live because that's what happens with these new developments? They become very high-priced rentals and condos and things like that. Does that ever even end up happening? Okay, the stadium's going to be built at least to a portion of it that is sustainable for playing a season of soccer by next year. That's That looks like that's going to happen. If I were to have bet whether I thought that actually would happen, I'd have lost that bet because I said no, it wouldn't have. Looks like it's going to. But all the rest of this, all the rest of this is supposedly going to generate 6 to $7 million in tax revenue for the city of East Ridge. Is that real? Does that actually happen? I guess we will wait and see. I have to say that I am excited about it. I have to say... I'm happy we're getting a damn champies, a Top Golf, Chick-fil-A, Starbucks. It used to be if I wanted to run down to Atlanta for a Braves game or whatever, or a concert, and I only drank coffee or iced mochas or whatever it is when I travel, just to get me stoned off of the sugar and the caffeine, because I drink it so seldom, I literally like to get high off the stuff when I drive. I'd have to drive to Dalton to go get a Starbucks. So is, is this happening? Is Eastridge finally going to get out of this mess this, that it's been in for so long? It might be a... The answer might be kind of. Maybe. I guess we'll wait and see. Coming up next, there are good cops and there are bad cops. And there are good armed forces members and there are bad armed forces members. My overall greater point, and I will try to put it as respectfully as possible, is that you have to earn respect no matter who you are no matter what you do i will expand on that point in the final segment of the show coming up next Stone on air. We'll be right back. Oh, darling, what juicy gossip I have for our listeners. Stoneonair.com. Well, the way I heard it was that the girl in the school wasn't even doing anything, just talking too loud, and someone ends up getting shot. Hey, what do you want? It's okay, I'm off duty. Just came for a nice Pinot. Yeah, we'll go somewhere else, copper. City Pod Town is for people who care about each other. We don't take kindly to folks who impose their authority on the underprivileged. Now look, not all cops are racist, trigger-happy assholes. Really? I'll bet you don't even know what farm-to-table means. Wow. We've only had a Whole Foods for a month, and already we don't need cops. So cool. Time provides a canopy. This is the Nim Nims local band and uh, they have a new record out in the last couple of weeks and a lot of uh, what's been fun about putting together this local music show idea is listening to a lot of local music and realizing there's more that's really really good than I realized we're not as advanced as a lot of people in this town involved with the industry would lead you to believe but there's a lot of good stuff this is the Nim Nims. the hell? Something about the time as a canopy, I think is the name of it. I'll explain that intro to the uh, segment here in a second as well. Goodbye.
I'm acquaintances with the guys from this band, or at least one or two of them. Uh, lots of mutual friends, but uh, I would not go as far to call them friends of mine. I look forward to reaching out to them to do a podcast with them once I get the Project 423 underway. So the front end of that was just a quick thing from South Park where they're having the gentrification <coughs> excuse me, of South Park, some of the crappier areas of it, put it in a Whole Foods, and then driving up all the property values, and uh, it's just such a great... Um, it's such a great, to not just episode, of a full season and a half, really. And the point was for two things. One is that's kind of what it feels like is happening at Exit 1, the gentrification, if you will, and what does that mean to everybody else around you. And, um, and when I saw this story from the Times Free Press on the 6th, so this would have been last week, and coming off of Veterans Day on Monday... Uh, again, I'm going to try to be very, very respectful here, but uh, that one just kind of dual worked with what I'm, uh, what I'm, what I'm talking about here is, is, a, is the abuse of power is so prevalent in this country, is so prevalent within our government, is so prevalent within within our law enforcement, and it's very, very, very prevalent within our armed forces. And I've talked about this before in the past. One of my old best friends, uh, haven't talked to him in a lifetime, but we grew up uh, very tight for years. We were the coolest kids in school for a year or two, at least we thought we were, and we kind of got away with whatever we wanted, and we were, um, you know, it, you know, seen the movie Days and Confused? That was me, and that was us. We were Days and Confused, and, um, and his dad was an enabler, and he was an old hippie from back in the, at least the 70s, but maybe the 60s as well, and so he had this kind of um, disdain for law enforcement. And, you know, overall, having that kind of attitude to law enforcement is not, you know, that's not a very good uh, approach because there's many, many, many good cops. There's also many, many bad ones. And so we all, you know, he was a bad influence on us because he thought we were being getting treated unfairly. We weren't really getting treated unfairly. We were consistently getting in trouble because we were consistently up to no good. And that's where I'm, you know, realizing now that I'm at the age of the people at that time. That were coming down on me as a you know mid teenager and, and early to mid to later high school, and like what's your problem, man? My problem is you, bro. <laughs> That's my problem. And adults who even attempt to use their brain, even attempt to use their um, their their intellectual, even if it's not a very high level of intellectualism, if they even try to use it, you can outsmart a kid every time because kids are stupid as hell. They're just dumb, right? And so that was what was happening at this time. But he, his dad would consistently kind of tell us that, you know, you guys are just getting, they're just really coming down on you, coming after you. It's just unfair. And he said this many times, and it stuck with me. And it, while it was a poor thing to say to an impressionable mind, it was very true. Any old dumb asshole can become a cop. Any old dumb asshole. If you fail at everything else in life, you can always fall back on being a police officer. Now, am I saying that it's easy? No. Am I saying that it doesn't take a lot of hard work and determination to do it well? Of course it takes all those things. Nothing can be done well unless you put a lot of effort into it. Nothing worth doing anyway. But the prerequisites are very, very little. There's very little there. Basically, a high school education and uh, an ability to lift 50 pounds. I mean, that's about as far as it goes. And the same thing is true for most of the armed forces uh, to be in the military. Now, some of the more technical uh, ones, maybe in the Navy and in the Air Force, might not be quite as simple. But to just get into defending this country, to be involved in that, the prerequisites are not much. They're not much. Why else are the recruiters outside of high schools and colleges for the, for the, for the, the ones that are aimless and don't know where they're going? You know, at times, downtroddens who just are looking for anything that gives them a semblance of power, a semblance of control, because we all want that at the end of the day. It doesn't matter what we're involved in. We all want that. 
But what I, I have trouble sometimes with the Veterans Days of the world and Memorial Days and 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 different kind of, uh, of of holidays to celebrate the people involved in those fields because so many numb nuts walking around don't even really know what it is. I mean, Memorial Day is for the ones that have fallen, and you get people saying, support the troops. This isn't about supporting the troops, bro. This is about memorializing people who have fallen in the line of duty. Understand what you're celebrating while you're celebrating. I just, I don't, sorry to be ticky tack, sorry to be me. I just can't stop being me on this one. So I don't spend a lot of time um, overly jumping out of my shoes, you know, to thank every single person that's ever served because there are a lot of bad people involved with the military and the defense of this country. There's a lot of bad people involved with law enforcement in this country. And there's a lot of amazing, really, really good ones. And there seems to be this built-in, almost pre-wired respect that if you get into law enforcement or if you get into the defense of this country, then you are somehow a superior uh, mind. You're a superior soul. You're a superior-minded person because you chose to go that route, regardless of why you chose to go that route. And I'm just not giving that pre-wired notion, preconceived notion. I'm not letting it happen. It doesn't matter what you do or don't do in life. You have to earn respect. You have to work diligently for respect. You don't just get it just because you feel like it or just because you chose something in life. Now, all that to say, what I do for a living, any old dumb asshole can do it, right? Anybody who wants to get into the service industry, anybody who wants to get into the uh, vending industry, anybody who wants to get into a lot of different blue-collar jobs, any old dumb asshole can do that too. Right, so I'm not being derogatory. I'm not making fun of people. I'm not being a jerk. But in my industry and in other people's blue-collar industries and in other not-so-blue-collar mid-level uh, industries, they don't get a pre-wired, amazingly over-the-top respect and praise just because they decided to do what they did for a living. And often, sometimes, people just do this stuff for a living. And I'm going to get to this story here as I wrap up the show here in a few minutes that just caught my eye. Another couple of crummy cops here in Hamilton County. This is a wide sweeping generalization that I hope people don't take so to heart and just want to hate me for it. But I do say this. Be very, very, very wary of ex-police officers, ex-cops, and dishonorably charged uh, military men and women because there's a very, very good reason as to why they are no longer involved in those fields. And I won't go on and on and on about this, but generally speaking, people who get involved with law enforcement or um, or defense of this country, whatever branch of the military that it is, do it for one of just a couple of different reasons. Many times there is that, you know, just super patriotism type of guy or gal that just gets the satisfaction of keeping America safe. I would say that that is very, very prevalent. Then there's also the person who wants to get into it to abuse the power that they're given. And then there's the person who gets involved with it because they don't really have any other options. Now, that's certainly not the only three reasons why people fall into law enforcement or defense of the country, but I would be willing to bet that those are three of the primary reasons. One good, one bad, and one we'll see how it goes. When I look at other uh, industries and professions that are just as important to our everyday uh, lives that we live and the quality of life that we have, uh, educators, uh, lawyers, uh, doctors, I believe, are just as, as important, if not more important, and those are professions that not just any dumb asshole can do. You have to spend a large portion of your life devoted with complete discipline and focus to be an educator at a higher level, to be a physician, a doctor, somebody who can save someone's life. And quite frankly, to be an attorney, a lawyer, as scummy as they can be and as as ratty and as nasty as that industry gets, it's still very, very uh, vital to the democracy of uh, of our everyday life and our uh, life and our well-being but to do either of those three you really have to dedicate your life to it so that's not a case of where just any old dumb asshole can do it and 
there's not a pre just kind of hardwired in there. Well, if you're a teacher, then you get this kind of respect. If you're a doctor, you get this kind of respect. And if you're a lawyer, you get this kind of respect. You actually, you probably get the opposite of that. Maybe not as much in the doctor's case, but I mean, so many parents are just awful and raise their children just so terribly. And then because of how they feel awful about their negligence and they just take it out on their teachers and other people around them that everybody else is to blame for their problems. So teachers just get the brunt end of that terribly. Lawyers, hell, I'm guilty of it. I usually see a lawyer, think of a lawyer and think, well, that person's a slimy up to good, no, you know, no good person. So, I mean, I just, I'm saying you have to earn my, you have to earn my respect. You have to earn it whether you're a cop. You have to earn it whether you're a, in uh, defense of the country. You got to earn it whether you're a doctor. You sure as shit got to earn it before I'm going to give you any benefit of the doubt as a doctor. I That's where I come in. I, I hate on doctors more than anybody. I think doctors are some of the slimiest, scummiest people on the planet. I mean, how think about how odd you have to be to want to poke and prod at disgusting, weird-looking people every day. I get it. You make a lot of money, but you still have to do this disgusting stuff for a job. Why? Because of power, because of control, because of money, because of greed. Because, and that happens all the time. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes people are in healthcare because they want to help people. It's You just never know. You have to earn my respect. I don't care what industry you are in. Hamilton County Sheriff's deputy facing fifth lawsuit. Fifth lawsuit. Second in alleged groping of minors from the Times Free Press. Last week, Rosanna Hughes wrote this piece. Yet another lawsuit has been filed against Hamilton County Sheriff's Deputy Daniel Wilkie, who is at the center of criminal investigation and multiple lawsuits, both in county and federal court, that detail an array of misconduct allegations. The $11 million lawsuit filed in Hamilton County Circuit Court on Wednesday, there have been last week, adds more information to one filed in mid-October on behalf of a 14-year-old girl. The uh, report says... Wilkie groped her and other female minors during a traffic stop in April and ordered a boy to strip off his clothes while another deputy, Tyler McRae, stood by. Wilkie allegedly ordered six juveniles to keep their phones in their laps and, quote, not move a muscle while he frisked each one, one at a time. The lawsuit states, uh, the, the girls complained about the search and asked for a female officer when Wilkie responded, saying the girls, quote, don't know the law and to Quote, shut the F up. Uh, Wilkie told her to place her hands against the vehicle and spread her legs. He then, quote, grabbed her hips and pulled her towards him. The lawsuit states he then frisked her through her clothing, squeezing her breasts and abdomen and felt her thighs and squeezed her genitals and buttocks. No contraband was found. During the search, Wilkie reportedly told the miners that they were going to hell like your parents, that they needed to find Jesus that their parents do not love them, and that the children were going nowhere in their lives, according to the lawsuit. McRae, his, uh, I guess, just his partner, running buddy, uh, uh, police officer, McRae allegedly made similar uh, comments. The deputies also uh, are also accused of battery, assault, and in- intentional infliction of emotional distress. Wednesday's lawsuit is the fifth filed against Wilkie, both in county and federal court and the second filed against McRae. This is just the weirdest sentence of all of it, two sentences. Two of the cases involve an alleged baptism of a woman during a February traffic stop, whatever the hell that means, and the apparent roadside body cavity search of a man in July. Those have been moved to federal court. And the only thing I will say is that in this just and it's you know read it for yourself it's a three or four page article i'm not going to sit here and read the whole thing but yeah, the, the, these all these lawsuits all this alleged stuff and none of it's true i just i have a hard time with that one <clears throat> mccray wilkie's the first one being talked about here and then mccray they're showing their mug shots and they're both smiling like the bleep eating smiles we talk about smirks oh yeah you think you got me bro i mean take that for what you want to take it as process that however you'd like they both have shit eating grins on their faces all right so i guess i you know i'll just stop right there um i do believe it's time for jim hammond to go 
I have not spent a lot of time on uh, a lot of the stories that have come out of the uh, uh, police department here in Hamilton County, and I probably should have, and I probably will pay a little more attention to that going forward. But Sheriff Jim Hammond, he's been around for a little while now, and I believe that he has worn out his welcome. He took over after Billy Long was uh, arrested and still sitting and rotting in jail back in the beginning or the middle part of last decade anyway. I'd have to pull the specifics to remember what Billy Long was up to, but I remember interviewing him at Riverbend. And then he won shortly after that and has been sitting in jail ever since. So if you think that's where the corruption stopped, uh, you're foolish. And you're not foolish because you listen to this show. So you don't believe that. You think that there's plenty of issues within the department. And uh, there we go. All right. So that's it. This is the Nim Nims, as I mentioned. A fantastic local band here. And look for the new radio show and podcast. Might not end up being until January. We'll see, but it's definitely happening. Working on it a little bit more and more every week as I find a little bit of free time. Thank you so much for finding the Stone On Air podcast, a weekly dose for November 13th, 2019. Y'all have a great rest of the week. Warm up, bundle up. It is cold as F out there, but that's going to change. Thankfully, in the next week, we'll be back in to the 60s. We'll do it again on, let's see, what date is that? Just, oh, I'm thinking about it. The 20th of November. Y'all have a great one. See you, bye.